Well, I am so excited this morning to introduce you to our guest this morning. Um, I've known Sam for a long time. Um, I've known Sam before Sam really knew me. Um, I was a young boy sitting uh, in a youth camp, and uh, I remember being at this youth retreat, and Sam was the guest speaker. And Sam came in and just shared just a powerful word and really operated in the Holy Spirit in a way that, as a young man, I, I was scared to death. Um, God had been speaking to Sam some specific things, and Sam was up there, and, and as Sam was speaking and everything, he stopped the gathering. I love the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit that Sam has. He stopped the gathering, and the Lord just began to deposit into him, and he, and he went and he began talking to a student, and basically just began really speaking life into the student and began just sharing with the student about some things that were going on in his life. And, and I remember sitting there and just watching all this unfold. And, and one thing I was thinking was, Lord, please don't reveal all my junk <laughs> to Sam. But really what I watched was I watched a man of God walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And little did I know that years ago, I would have encountered him as a young man and then would have began my ministry and as I began working in ministry, God would have brought me right alongside him. And he began to coach and work with me, began to train with me. We worked in the church multiplication network for over eight years alongside of each other, traveling around the country. And Sam would continuously pour into my life. And, and I would say this, that I'm the leader I am today because of the influence of another man who's influenced my life and who never ever looked down at me and said, oh, that's just Henley over there. He called things out of me, began to believe things in me. And so I'm super excited to have my coach, my friend, um, and just an incredible, incredible man of God. And so would you just give a warm Bethany welcome to Sam Farina. Come on now. Well, good morning. And what a joy to be here. It's been a number of years since I've been at Bethany. And I look forward to coming back and being here. And I hear so much about you. Your pastor talks about you. And it makes me want to come and be a part. And what we experienced in the worship this morning just confirms what uh, I've been hearing and what he's been saying and what a wonderful job the team did. We're going to talk about a couple of the choruses that we sang this morning in our message. So I want you to remember what you sang and tie it together to what we're going to see in God's Word. And then I want you to put yourself in God's Word today as we start our journey towards Easter. Now, the journey towards Easter does not begin in Matthew. It begins in Genesis. Did you hear me? You see, the problem is with some of us is we have been so pulled into the pluralism of our society that we've forgotten that Jesus has been greater forever. Okay. He's not the I was, 
And he's not the I will be. He says the I, he is the... I am. Yeah, say that again. He is the... I am. The I am. So he has been, always will be, and is today. The problem is when we get stuck in the middle. See, <laughs> it's when we're in the middle that we don't think he's there or he's greater. So that first chorus that we sang, do you remember it? So, what did it say? It said he made a promise and he won't stop now. But some of you get stuck in the middle between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise and you think he stopped. See, you sang it, but you aren't living it. So the doctor says it's cancer. In July, I went by invitation to conduct the funeral of my cousin, 57 years old, who died of a cancer and then came home from doing that funeral to be diagnosed with the same cancer. But the song says, because the Word of God says that he won't stop. Mm. But when you're in the middle, when you're going day after day after day for treatment, you see, you, we say Jesus is greater until we're in the middle of a marriage that it just doesn't seem to be the same as it was when we first got married. Or a mate who begins battling Alzheimer's and you didn't sign up for this. Or a wife who's diagnosed with breast cancer But Jesus is even in the middle. Even in the middle. Patty came to a Sunday morning just like this in a church just like this. She was invited. Her, the invitation was quickly accepted because Patty had had a lot, a lot of heartache throughout her life, uh, abandonment at the age of nine by her mother, who was an alcoholic, who, a mother who became an alcoholic after her dad was struck on the head with a tire iron and robbed and then they thought would return home but never did because his brain never healed and so then her mother turned to alcohol and then there was all kinds of alcohol issues in the house and then one day Patty came home from school and her mother had abandoned her. Her mother had totally left. She went to seek help from her older sister who was married and when she found her older sister, she was rejected again and told that she would never live there. And finally, finding the man that she thought would 
never leave her. She married and this young man in the Air Force. They started a business. They had children, first a boy, and things seemed to be going so well, and then the, the second child, a girl, and, but she, conduct, she, she turned blue in the crib, and, and, and the rush to the hospital, and the diagnosis, will she live or die, or what's going on, and someone said, would you come to church, and I don't know how you've come today, but maybe you've come like Patty, maybe you're in the middle. Stuff is going on in your life and it just doesn't make sense. And you hear Jesus is greater, but how could Jesus be greater when I'm where I am and when I'm going through what I'm going through? She came that day and she sat right over here about where you're sitting. And the speaker was a guest, wasn't even the pastor. And maybe that's you, and you've come today, and you're like, oh, I came to see you here, the pastor, but he, the pastor isn't even speaking. You talk about stuck in the middle. There's a song that comes to my mind when I think about that. It says, I can't go back to the beginning. Come on, how many of you ever wanted to go back to the beginning? If I could just go back to then, it was better then. And then it talks about being stuck in the middle. As we get older, <laughs> this wasn't what we planned it to be. Our body begins to fail us. Our minds begin to slip. Our finance isn't what we thought it would be. But the song says, He never left me. How do we know that? Because God shows up in fiery furnaces in the middle. Notice he didn't show up before the fiery furnace. He shows up in the fiery furnace. See, that's the story. That's the story. And where does he die? Where does he die? In the middle. Between the story of a man who rejects him and the story of a man who's just been promised paradise. And guess where we live? between rejecting him and finally coming to salvation but we're not yet in paradise and there's Jesus right there with us in the middle see that's Easter he's in the middle he dies in the middle to rescue us he resurrects in the middle I want you to look with me at Genesis chapter 15. Just open your Bible or your smart device and turn to the reading app that you've got on there and, and just look at that. 
because in Genesis chapter 15, we see the most, what could be, I believe, the most important passage in all of the Old Testament. Did you hear what I just said? It could be, I believe it is, the most important passage in the whole Old Testament. So if you want to know something about this book, it's one story with a lot of middle. Okay? So you can go from Genesis and you go to Revelation, but it's the middle. And so in the beginning, he sets up, he sets up what carries us through the middle. He sets it up here in Genesis chapter 15, and here's what it says, and you can read it. It says that after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram, okay? Came to him in like a vision, okay? It comes to him, and here's what the word of the Lord is. The word of the Lord comes to Abram, fear not. Now, Now, Abraham, or Abram, as he's called here, same person, He uh, is called the father of our faith at the end. But in in, in this, right here, in the middle, he is filled with what? How can the father of faith be filled with the same way you are? Let me tell you something. When, When the doctor walks in and says, I'm sorry you have cancer, fear will come I don't care who you are you say I'm gonna I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna admit that you can lie about other things too (laughs) when you know your marriage is in trouble and you're not sure that it's gonna survive fear will come when your child has been diagnosed with something or there's something going on that you don't understand and they can't figure it out, there will, when your mate, listen to me, when your finances, when your job, when there is a downturn, <laughs> fear will come. Fear will come. And it is there because you've got to understand the story. So, how many of you know it pays to read the first part of the story to understand where he's at here? So the first part of the story is chapter 14 where he goes and rescues his nephew Lot and he rescues him from these, these terrorists. So you just heard about this gal from the United States, from California, that, that was just captured in Africa. And I do a lot of work in Africa. I, I just came from West Africa. One week ago today, I landed from West Africa, Senegal, flew in back to the United States, and, and so I know exactly where that girl was uh, taken, and this is common now in Africa. And the reason that they take people is for the ransom to support some type of ISIS or Al-Qaeda type of, that's, what they're, that's how they're supporting, is by capturing people, and the United States thankfully does not pay ransoms, but some countries do, and some people do it in spite of what the United States tells them to do. And as long as they'll keep doing it, they'll keep capturing people. And so the, what, what happens here is Abraham goes and rescues Lot from a very similar situation. The, the story of the world has not changed. They captured Lot. 
Abraham goes and rescues him, SEAL Team 1, and, and takes him back. But now Abraham is afraid that these, these marauders, these, these tribal leaders are going to come and take him and take his whole family. And so now he is afraid. He is afraid even though he rescued his nephew, now he's afraid they're going to come and they're going to attack him and they're going to take them and, and it's going to be worse. And he's afraid. And the word of the Lord comes. And the word of the Lord is, Fear not, Abraham. I am your your, your, what else? Your shield and your reward shall be what? Now this is the problem. When you're in the middle, it's hard to see the reward. When you're about to be captured by people that probably will kill you because you went and rescued someone from them, he is afraid, and the word of the Lord comes, and you go, how come, how come Abraham did not respond positively? The same reason you don't. And the same reason I don't all the time is because when fear comes, it's real. And so here is Patty sitting in that church service. She had come by invitation of a friend, and maybe that's like you today, and her, she wasn't sure what was going to happen to her daughter. She wasn't sure how they were going to make it through all of this. There was a lot of pressure in their business and in their marriage, and she's there, and she, just like you, hearing that Jesus is greater than your fears. Say that with me. Jesus is greater than my fears. Oh, come on. A little more than the, a golf, a golf, you know, you got to whisper at the golf course. You don't have to do that here. Go ahead. Say it again. Now, that's one thing to say. And so here comes the Lord, and he says it to Abraham. And here's what Abraham said. And Abraham said to the Lord, God, what will you give me for I continue childless? Now this is interesting because not only does Abraham now talk to God about his fear, but now he talks to him about a promise that God made that he would have a child. You see, he said to him when he called him out in Genesis chapter 12, into this land, left everything he had, comes out there, he said, you're going to have a child, and you're going to be the father of a great nation, but the problem is he still hasn't had the child. So, Abraham is honest, honest, honest enough to say to God, in God's face, you promised me a kid, and I'm still childless. Why should I trust you're going to protect me from my fear? By the way, this is the father of our faith speaking. Maybe we need to learn something about the father of our faith because it's just like us. When you're stuck in the middle, not only will fear overcome you, but doubts about God's promises will overcome you. Well, I know God heals, but... I know God men's marriages, but I know that God is watching my kids, but and, and so doubt, doubt comes, doubt comes, 
and he's got doubts because he's going to leave the inheritance to Eliezer, who is a servant in his house. And Abraham said, Behold, you've given me no offspring, and there's no one in my household to be my heir. You see, but I am telling you, and I want you to say it with me, that Jesus is greater than our doubts. Come on, say it again. And, and, and he doesn't change. He doesn't change. Just because you're in the middle of a promise, just because you're not there yet, just because the reward hasn't shown up, just because the kid hasn't been born, he says, I want you to know I'm greater now. You say, wait a minute, this is the Old Testament. How could this be Jesus? Stick with me. Stick with me. So the text goes on. And God brought him outside. Now this is amazing, okay? So this is what we call a theophany. This is an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. Say this with me. Jesus was in the Old Testament. Say this with me. Jesus was here before the Old Testament. Yeah. See, Jesus was there when everything was created. <laughs> see, 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 we we forget, we forget that, that we think, oh, Jesus is only in the New Testament. Jesus just kind of showed up in the in the middle of everything. No, no, he didn't show up in the middle. He's always been there, even when you didn't see him. Even when you don't see him at three o'clock in the morning. Now, Patty is hearing this about fears and doubts, and you're here today, and you're hearing it. And he takes him outside. Now, this is amazing. He takes him outside, and he says, look up. He says, number the stars, number the stars, and he can't do it. He can't do it. He says, so shall your offspring be. In other words, you haven't had a kid yet, but I'm telling you, you're not only going to have a kid, you're going to have enough descendants that it will out, it'll number the stars. It'll number the stars. Your descendants will number the stars. Now, what's he doing? He's causing him to look beyond the middle. And I am here to tell you, you have got to look beyond the middle. But even the disciples couldn't look beyond the middle when Jesus was carried off the cross to the tomb. Even they locked the doors because they thought they were next to be killed. Don't be shocked by your fears and don't be shocked by your doubts. Take a deep breath. Go ahead. Let it out. You're going to have fears and you're going to have doubts. And that's why I love this church because it it, it, it doesn't, it, it's not fallen off to some weird theology that if you admit that, you're, you're speaking doubt, you're speaking death. No, fear comes. Doubt comes. Come on, how many of you will be honest? Three people. You must have forgotten 2008. Isn't it amazing? Gas prices go down and we're ready to buy a big, big old truck again. Mm -hmm. 
But when you're in it, when you're in it, and that was, so he takes him outside and he shows him all this and he shows him this, and that's what we've got to do. You've got to keep your eyes on the fact that there comes a resurrection, that he is there in the middle and he'll be there at the end. Now watch this because, because this is amazing. That's God speaking. Maybe something I ate. Look at the rest of this text. God said, I am the Lord who brought you from Earl of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. Now he's restating the promise. Restating the promise, Abraham's in the middle. And Abraham said, watch this, Abraham said, Oh Lord, now I am to know that I shall possess it. Notice that's not a statement, that's a question. Because now he not only has fear and he not only has a doubt about God's promises, but he's got a doubt about himself. Come on, how many ever doubt you? Well, he had a right to doubt you because <clears throat> uh, Abraham was somewhere uh, 80-ish. His wife was 80-ish, okay? Uh, I, they didn't have those blue pills in those days. And... and <clears throat> Listen to me. I walk down here and tell the two of you, you're going to have a baby. How come, you're, how, come, how come you're laughing, Sarah? You're having a hard enough time just getting up in the bed at night. And, he looks at himself. I don't care if you're 16. How many times have you looked at yourself and doubted that you were as good as the kid in the locker next to you? Come on, sitting in a classroom, college student, how many, have you, how many of you looked at yourself and said, I'm not, I, I can't make it. I'm not as good as that one. How come I can't have that? The drummer, where are you at? Where's the drummer? dude? How come I can't have your hair? <laughs> the, 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 this, this, this guy singing right here, the, how come I can't have his beard? 150000 to I didn't have much left as it was, but I got rid of the rest and paid money to do it. Are you listening to me? You start doubting yourself, and we've all doubted ourselves. Some of you women don't think you're good enough to be a wife. Some of you don't think you're good enough to be a parent. Some of you men don't think you're good enough to make it on your job. Some of you men aren't sure you're going to have enough to save. Some of you, listen, all of us are here, and we start doubting ourselves. Come on, how many of you have doubted yourself? Mm, six people. A lot of liars in this place. <laughs> Patty doubted herself as a mother. She had never seen a good example of one. Patty doubted herself as a wife. She'd only seen an alcoholic mother. 
Listen to me. Jesus is greater than your personal limitations. Say that with me. Jesus is greater than my personal limitations. Say it again. Now, I want you to see this because this story doesn't end here. Watch this. So God said, bring me a heifer. Now, the, oh, oh, wait a minute. Whoop. Whoop. <laughs> you ever read a book and all of a sudden shoo, takes this turn? Where, where's this going? And we don't even understand this. We don't even understand this. Bring me a heifer, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old. This is a lot of, a lot of expensive cattle. And Abraham brought him all these, cut them in half. Whoa! <laughs> okay, one more time. Yeah, what is this? What is this? This was a practice that was cultural to that day. And you've got to understand the cultural part of this, and that is if you're going to make a covenant or make an agreement with somebody, say if you borrow money to buy property, you have to bring the most expensive animal you can afford, and you have to kill the animal, split it in half, and then you walk through the middle of the two parts of the animal holding the arm of the person you're making the deal with in a figure eight, okay? So if you, if you go to a Jewish wedding, you'll see them still do this as part of the wedding ceremony. It's an agreement that you are going to pay back whatever it is, and, and just like you go to the bank and they see if you've got enough money in, uh, uh, in your life, if you've got enough credit to borrow the money, if you brought this big animal, and God says bring three big animals, so Abraham's able to do it. Abraham's got some wealth here, and, and Abraham thinks, I'm going to show God that I'm legit. I can, I'm going to come through on my promises. I'm coming through. And, and he, says, he says, and so he thinks he's going to walk with Jesus through these parts. He thinks that's what's going to happen. He's going to make a promise. And that's us, isn't it? I can do it. I can do it. And some of you have been drinking the wrong Kool-Aid. The world's Kool-Aid is be yourself. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Woo-woo! And that's what Abraham thought. Abraham thought, hey, I can kill these three animals. God asked them. I've got enough. I've got, I've got plenty of cattle. I'm going to kill three of them. Blood's everywhere. He thinks he's going to walk. Now, do you remember that song we sang this morning? Show us your... And what, is, what does it say we do when we see His glory? I fall down. Did you sing that? How many of you sang that? Oh, 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 well, watch this. He goes and gets the animals, and he cuts them in half, and he lays them open, and watch this. Next verse. Here's what it says. I will give the men. This is from Jeremiah. This is a promise that he understood. God, God had made a promise to everybody that if, if you make a covenant like this and you don't perform the words of that covenant, 
you're, you're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the word out, you're going to die. They'll come and kill you. They have a right to kill you, okay? So this was a serious covenant, and Abraham's ready to make this serious covenant. Okay, kill me, God. If I don't come through for you, if I don't believe you're going to come through, if I don't believe you're going to provide the child, if I don't believe you're going to fulfill your promise, then you can kill me, you can kill me. That's what he thought, but watch this. Let's go back to Genesis. Here's what it says. Read it. God said, bring me a heifer, three years old, female goat, three years old. He does it. He brings it out. Next slide. Watch this. This is amazing. This is just amazing. Next slide. Here's what it says. I will give... Next slide. You're, you're, you're going backwards on me here. I don't understand this. Next slide. Next slide. Next slide. You're stuck in Jeremiah there. There we go. Watch this. All of a sudden, Jesus comes down in the book of Genesis. And it says that Abraham fell to the ground. So when we sing that song, show me your glory, and it says we fall down, that's what Abraham did. He fell down. He fell down here. And you see it, you see it. He falls down like a dead man. It says he falls down like a dead man. This is an amazing thing. He falls down, and, and what, is he, what is happening? He's awestruck. Say that word. Say it again. He's awestruck because he sees the image of God who is Jesus foreshadowing, foreshadowing, and he falls down and Jesus walks through making the covenant, making which the, the figure eight is, what does the figure eight mean? Infinity. It means this is forever. This is a promise forever. And what, a, what, what Abraham sees is God says, I'm going to do it for you, Abraham. You stay on the ground awestruck because I'm going to do it in your place. I know you're going to mess up. I know you're going to have fear. I know you're going to have doubt. I know you're not going to believe yourself. But I'm going to do it in your place. How do we know? Well, let's look at Mark chapter 15. And when the sixth hour, noon, had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. For three hours, and at three o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud voice, My God! My God! Why have you forsaken me? Now listen, this is amazing, because what happened if you didn't keep the covenant when you made one of these covenants, then they had the right to kill you. But Jesus went and made the covenant because he knew Abraham couldn't fulfill it. And Jesus said, because it's the right to kill you, I'll die in your place. I don't know that you understood it because if you would have, some of you would have been doing more than thank you, Lord. You missed it. See, you missed the gospel in the book of Genesis, and that's why you had to wait for it until the Mark, uh, Mark chapter. See, Jesus promised in Genesis to Abraham that you are going to fail, Abraham, and you aren't going to be able to stand up in the middle, and you will doubt yourself, and you will have fear, but I am here to tell you that because I know you're going to fail, rather than let God kill you, I'm going to let the Father kill me. I'm going to die in your place to satisfy the fact that you can't keep the covenant. <laughs> so watch what happens. Watch what happens here. 
This is amazing. Watch what happens here. Watch what happens. And when the centurion, this is the, this is the strongest military unit in the world, saw him breathe his last breath, what, when he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Listen to me. When Jesus cries that out, he is forsaken by the Father so that you and I would never have to be forsaken. It was only good to you. I'm going to say it again because you're not getting it. You're not getting it at all. Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because when he was forsaken, it meant that you and I would never be forsaken. See, the reason you're doubting God in the middle is because you don't understand that Jesus was already in the middle on the cross bridging between the past and the future and He has already been there and is still there and He is greater because He's already overcome death, hell, and the grave. And that means that no matter how bad it gets for you, if you will continue to turn to Him and trust in the cross, I have paid it all! I paid it all. I am greater. I'm greater than death. I'm greater than sin. I'm greater than it all. How do we know? Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Watch this, Galatians. This will blow you away. Watch this because here's what it says. Next slide. Thanks. Here's what it says. Maybe it doesn't. Here's what it says. Jesus was cut off from the land of the living so that you and I would never have to be. Here's what it says in Galatians. It says, so the blessing of Abraham can become ours. Say that with me. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree. So that the blessing of what? Might be given to who? me come on say me come on whose blessing the Abraham blessing becomes our blessing say it with me so just like he said to Abraham this is for you he says this is for you this is for you Look at this. It doesn't end there. Hebrews. Look at what Hebrews chapter 6 says. This will blow you away. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater than him to swear by, <laughs> he swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. So after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Next slide. People swear by someone greater. Do you ever notice when people, I swear in the name of Jesus. You'll hear him say that stuff. They'll damn people in the name of God. That's, a, that's, that's Why do they do that? Because they're using someone greater than themselves. But here's what the passion says. There's no one greater than Jesus. I said there's no one greater than Jesus. So what does he do? He swears on his own self. He swears on his own self. Go back to that last verse. I want you to see this. So he swore by his own self because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear, very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. Keep going. Watch what this says because this is incredible. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible, say it, it is impossible for what? It is impossible for God to lie. Listen to me. I don't know your mother. 
But I can tell you that both of you, and you too, your mother would do anything to keep you from what's going to happen because somewhere in this life you're going to be lied to. It may be by someone who said they loved you and they'll lie to you. It may be by someone that employs you, but they'll lie to you. It may be by government and they'll lie to you. You see, you're going to be disappointed by lies, but I want you to hear this and I want you to take this home with you. It is impossible for God I'm, I'm letting your pastor come back to preach this this year I said it's impossible for God to lie <laughs> you think Jack Nicholas just dropped the pot I said it is impossible for God to lie Listen, if you believed it, you'd be on your feet right now. I said it is impossible for God to lie. 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 We have this hope as an anchor i don't care how big the storm we have an anchor for the soul an anchor for the soul an anchor for the soul firm and secure <laughs> patty was sitting there that day right about where you are and the speaker said, if you want this anchor, if you want this firm foundation, if you want Jesus who will be there with you in the middle and he'll be there with you in the end, he will never forsake you, he will never leave you, come. She was there with her three-year-old son. She grabbed the hand of her three-year-old son and she came to the front of that auditorium just like I'm going to ask many of you in just a minute to come. You're going to come. You're going to turn your life over to Jesus. You're going to believe he's going to become your anchor. He's going to become the greater one in your life he's gonna be you're gonna believe the cross you're gonna believe the resurrection you're gonna believe Jesus you're gonna come she came she grabbed the hand of a three-year-old boy she came she surrendered her life to Jesus Christ and boy am I glad she did because Patty was my mother and I was that three-year-old boy And there's someone here today who's in the middle. But Jesus is here with you. And it's going to make the difference for your kids just like it made the difference for me and my sisters. Oh, by the way, my sister is just fine. you have to come in a step of faith and say I step out just like Abraham had to step out you've 
I'm asking you, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come. And I'm going to ask you to, the, prayer, to the prayer workers to come and just stand across the front here. Because what I want you to do is I want you to step out just like my mother did, just like Patty did. I want you to come and surrender your life to Jesus. You say, I'm not serving Jesus, or I used to serve Jesus, or I'm not, I'm not where I should be with Jesus. There's people here in all different shapes. Some of you are, are not serving Jesus. Some of you have tried it, and it's just not been going well. And some of you are here today, and you're saying, you know what? I need to get back to Jesus. Listen to me. If you're here today like my mother, and you need to make a new commitment to Jesus, whether it's for the first time or the first time in a long time, I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I'm going to ask for something to happen in this room. I'm going to ask for people to turn around to the right, to the left, behind you and in front of you. Listen to me. Nobody at Bethany walks alone. Did you hear me? Nobody at Bethany walks alone. So somebody's going to turn to you and they're going to say, Would you, do you need to respond to Jesus today? Do you need to commit your life for the first time or in a new way to Jesus? Just they're going to ask you that question. And if you say yes, you might be a visitor. You might be like my mother the first time you've ever been here. You might come every week, but you are not where you need to be with Jesus. If they turn to you and they say, do you need to respond to Jesus? And you say, yes, or I think so. I, I think I do. They're going to they're gonna say, come on. And they're going to take, they're going to walk with you. Nobody walks alone at Bethany. They're going to walk with you and you're going to come right here. And these people are just going to pray with you. They're going to share with you. They're going to talk to you about next steps for your life. Okay. Are you ready? When I get to three, everybody is turning to someone near you. And you're asking that question. Would you like to respond to Jesus today? Would you like to re renew your commitment to him or would you like to, for the first time, do you need to respond to Jesus? Are you ready? You're going to turn and you're going to ask. You ready? One, two, three. Just ask. All over this room. All over this room. And then come with them. Come with them right now. Come with them right now. Come. Just like my mother came. Come. Come. You might take the hand of your wife or your son or your daughter. Or your... Come on. Come. That's it. That's it. Come on. Give God praise. People are coming. People are coming. That's it. Come. Come. That's it. Sure. People are coming. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. There's others today. Maybe nobody asked you. Maybe no one turned and asked you, but you know you need to come. Come on. Come on. Right now. Come. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Maybe there's someone. That's it. Come on. Come on. That's it. That's it. People are still coming. We're in no hurry today. There's no hurry. We're not going to beat the church down the street to, 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 the, to the brunch. Come on. Come on. That's it. People are still coming. There's no hurry. There's no hurry today. Come. Come. Now, I wouldn't hit the door yet, ma'am, because we're going to pray for healing today. How many of you believe God's here to heal people today? Yeah. We're not done here. You know why we're not done here? Because Jesus is not done here. Some of you are in the middle of a physical situation. Now these people are being prayed with to come to Jesus. That's a spiritual soul situation. But some of you have a physical situation and you need a miracle. You need a healing. Come on, how many of you need a miracle today? Lift your hand. Step out. Come. Come. If you need healing, come. Come. If you need physical healing or mental healing or emotional healing, come on. Come on. 
Come on. That's it. Come on, we're going to pray. We're going to believe that the Jesus who is greater is going to be greater for you in the middle. When you're going through this, when you're facing this, He's going to touch you. He's going to restore you. Yeah. All my scans, all my scans that I just had, all clean, all clean, all clean. Come on, Jesus is going to heal you today. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on now, sing it, sing it, sing it with them right now. Sing it with them right now. Sing it with them.
just want us across this room. If you could just close your eyes for a moment, each and every one of us. We know that God's presence is here in this place. We know that he's moving. We've heard the word. We've heard about that Jesus isn't just someone in the New Testament. Jesus has always been, and we know that. We see his promise being fulfilled in the life of Abram. We see the promise being fulfilled in our own lives. But right now, what I want you to do just for a moment with your eyes closed is I want you to picture right now just one person. One person that you know right now has not discovered the fact that Jesus is crazy, madly in love with them yet. They haven't discovered that truth. Maybe they've heard about it, but they haven't discovered it because once you discover it, you then apply it to your life because there's nothing that can keep you from experiencing the true identity of who God has called you to be. See, so many times, like Sam was saying, we, we doubt ourselves. We doubt that God would ever love us. And right now, you can picture that person in your mind right now they're doubting that God loves them and I just want you just for a moment I want us to join our hearts together and I want you to pray for that person right now come on just begin to speak out life over them God we pray right now for that person right now that we're picturing in our mind God that person God that needs to encounter you that needs to recognize God that you are crazy madly in love with them and father we pray God that this week God you would tear down walls God, that you would tear down walls to reach that person. God, this week you would tear down lies. You would tear down doubts. You would tear down fears. You would tear down those things that have become obstacles between them and you, God. We pray, God, that this week, God, they would have an encounter with you, God, like that of Saul on the road to Damascus, God, who was knocked off. He, he had an encounter with you where everything began to change. And it was in that moment when you brought... God, you tore the scales off of his eyes. He couldn't see in that moment after that encounter, but then he was brought back to a new thinking, a new way of, a new way of processing through. And so, Father, I pray, God, that each and every one of us, God, that person, that person we have in our mind, that this week, God, we would, beyond just prayer, God, now we would put to action. This week, God, we would reach out to that person We'd reach out to that person and we'd just share our simple story of what you've done in our lives. Yes. And Jesus, that in that moment, God, you would have already been preparing the way. And God, they'd have an encounter with you. God, we thank you that you are moving in this place. We thank you for the healings that are taking place in this room, across these altars. People who committed or recommitted their lives to you, God, this morning, God, we rejoice in that. We rejoice in what you're doing in this place. <laughs> and we do declare that fear, you gotta bow. We do declare that chains, they gotta fall off. Not by our strength, but by the strength and the authority of Jesus Christ. So right now, let's just pray over our city, God. We pray over our city. We pray, Lord Jesus, that this week, God, fear would bow. Now that this week, chains would fall. Chains of addiction would fall. Chains of abuse would fall. Yes. God, that across our city, these chains would fall. These things that have tried to keep people bound. We declare that Jesus is Lord over Lenaway County. We declare that Jesus is Lord over Michigan. We declare that Jesus is Lord over our nation. We declare that Jesus is Lord over our homes and over our lives. We declare that Jesus is Lord in our world. We declare that you are King 
of kings and Lord of lords. We declare that you are the great physician. You are the one who has been, and you are the one who is to come. You are the God of now. You are the great I am. And we declare with one voice, with one heart in this room, in this place, that you are king, that you are Lord. And God, we love you. We love you. God, we love you. God, we love you. We love you, Jesus. And I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust take that authority that you've given us and we will walk in it confidently and boldly that this week God we will share what you've done in our lives God that we'll speak healing over people God that we'll take moments to listen that we'll take moments to invite God that we will recognize that you are with us and if you are with us no one can be against us so God we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big clap of praise. We'd love for you to invite your friends to join you for Easter. We've provided tools for you to do that. They're out in the foyer area. Please grab a stack of those. Personally invite somebody. We'd love to see you this Wednesday here at the gathering, or we'll see you next week at 9 and 11. God bless. Have a great week.